right? If you yeah. say so. Uh, Put it that way. Okay, here we go. Hey. Uh, Welcome to the KLOS 50 in Reverse podcast. This is episode 7 as we spotlight the impact KLOS has had on radio rock and roll in the Southern California community. It has served for over 50 years. I'm your host, Rita Wilde, joined again by our co-host, the wizard, Stu Herrera. Ah. (laughs) You just got back from Europe. We have two special guests for this episode. Both are recognizable voices to the KLOS audience. Frazier Smith solidified the status of the rock and roll morning DJ on 95 and a half KLOS from 1979 to 1984. He's also an actor, stand-up comedian, master of ceremonies for events, and he's back on KLOS on Sunday nights. Also joining us is someone who worked with several morning shows at KLOS. He always had his unique style of news reporting and entertaining audiences, and these days, he's a licensed professional therapy counselor, Chuck Moshots. Hello, Fraser Smith. Well, hi, guys. Hello, Chuck Moshans. Hey, happy to be here. God, it's so great to have both of those voices. <laughs> I know. I tried to assemble some sort of outline, some sort of map for how this uh, podcast was going to go. How'd that turn out? Didn't turn out well because there are just so many different topics that we're going to be uh, talking about and so <laughs> forth. So I just want to make sure that, that everybody knows that. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for, for being here. I just came to pick up some weed from Stu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just got no, back from Amsterdam, man. I, I, I refuse to go to a dispensary. I'm, I'm so old. I, I have to do it old school. I only brought and back mushrooms, Fraser. And, uh, and well, I'm afraid I... Mushrooms. Sh- uh, Chuck should be turning on to them any moment. Have they got <laughs> mushroom <laughs> shops in Amsterdam? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, do Chuck they? lives in sure Oregon do. now, too, where they got all the shops, too. Oh, so it's yeah. all... oh you do. Walk 20 oh. feet, and you walk in another door, and there's another dispensary with bud tenders trying to help you. Which is the state that's actually... Actually, Colorado. seriously considering legalizing uh, mushrooms. Colorado. 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 Yeah. I like how yeah. you're just on your. Well, yeah, come on, man. It's a Rocky Mountain High. Right. <laughs> Try climbing that mountain now. Yeah. Hey, well, maybe yeah. that should be the next uh, destination. Well, maybe. Frazier, let's start with you because you started, you were in radio, I think, in uh, Michigan, got the radio bug, and then you were out here doing some improv, and then you were at K Rock for a long time before K Rock became the K Rock that we know today. Well, yeah, when I first got to town, uh, I asked some friends of mine, what station do you think I could land on here? Because I'd been in radio in Detroit and uh, started in Kalamazoo with our friend Shauna yes. uh, back in the day. And th- so they said, well, there's a little station called K-Rock, and it's down at the end of the dial, and they're, um, it's a popular station, but they don't really have management. So you should be able to sneak in. <laughs> and they don't pay. <laughs> well, that was the thing they didn't tell me. But um, so, yeah, I started at K-Rock. Uh, I got a job pretty quickly over there. And uh, they put me on uh, a show called Hollywood Night Shift with uh, Phil Austin from Firesign Theater. Yeah. And we had to, and that's the only reason I got the job is because I knew Phil. And they said, well, if you can get Phil, we'll do it. So we were in the uh, uh, the hotel, uh, the Hilton Hotel in Pasadena. They had a, a station set up in a suite. It was the old school equipment, and they had the old uh, Flash Gordon pots. Oh yeah, right. Uh-huh. And, the and uh, I st- that's where I met Al Ramirez, my uh, buddy. Wow. Uh, we uh, were doing the show, our first show, and Phil, I could tell, was was upset. He was like, "Phrase, what is this place? You know, we're in a because <laughs> you know, at that time, Fireside was pretty big time." Yeah. He goes, "This is like a Mexican mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening?" And so we're because we're in the suite doing the show. All of a sudden, the show, the station just goes off the air. You hear this zzzt, and it goes off the air. 
So I thought, oh, great. You know, our first show, and he's now he's really getting mad. He's like, what is this? So this little guy, climbed, we didn't even know he was there, climbs out from underneath the equipment. It's Al. <laughs> and he, for real, he flips open the switchblade. And I go, great. We're getting yeah. jacked on our first show here. at the. And so he goes, hold on. And he, he hot literally hot-wired the station back on the air. Wow. So then it goes, and we're back on. And yeah. and then Al became our producer. We made Al the producer for because he knew how to get the station back on the air. Uh, and that was my, my start at, at you know, I, I don't know whether it's just that I'm coming on to the mushrooms at this point. <laughs> but, man, I'm tripping being back in the studio listening to Fraser Smith tell stories again. Whoa. Well, uh, thank you, Chuck. And Chuck and I had a lot of fun working together in the morning show at KLOS when I got over here. Yeah, how did that come about, 1979? So? Well, I got fired. Uh, again, from K- for my first firing in L.A. Amazing how many radio stories start off with. Well, uh, uh, fired. Uh, well, uh, a lot of mine do. And uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I had said something in uh, in an article. They did a big article on me in uh, Cal- uh, was it L.A. Magazine, California Magazine, some magazine. They did a huge article on me, and I learned the hard way that you're never off record. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and because we go, we do the interview, and and the guy, because I had gotten pretty hot on K Rock, because it was really not so much me as the music. You know, the new music was coming in, yeah. and uh, Rodney, who I had just met, I met Rodney Bingenheimer my first night on the air, and and uh, the first night we met uh, Deborah Harry, uh, Tom Petty, wow. uh, the Sex Pistols, and the Ramones. And that was my first night on the air in L.A. And they were all on Rodney's show. Well, most of them were there. It was only half the Sex Pistols. Uh, but I, so I and don't they know, were but, there, sort of. Yeah, yeah and they were, yeah. Well, and Malcolm Physically. McLaren, Malcolm, you know, their, their manager. McLaren, yeah. So uh, Rodney goes, they're all going to be huge. And I was like, yeah, right, Rodney. Because none of them had any product. Even yeah. Petty didn't have product out, you know. And it was so, that was an interesting era. And... Um, K-Rock went really well, and, and Rodney would give me tips for music. He would go, play these guys. And, you know, it was bands that we'd never heard of. So we'd, I, okay, you know, I'll play the Vibrators. And uh, we <laughs> played these bands, and all of a sudden, everybody's listening to K-Rock. So the whole, you know, so that's why I did this big article on mm-hmm. me. I had these huge ratings, and and uh, and then in the article, I had, I, we went to have a drink after the, <laughs> he shut off his tape recorder, he goes, this is off the record, mm-hmm. but uh, what's going on over there? It seems like your management is a little weird. I mean, they don't have any commercials. They weren't, they weren't playing any commercials. And so so I start going, you know what? These guys are, are weird. They are. And I went off on management kind of uh, to yeah. this guy. Right. So that all makes it into the article. Nice. Yeah. So I get this call. Uh, You're fired. So uh, <laughs> then uh, KLOS came uh, calling and I uh, get a call from Bill Summers. He goes, "We've been trying to track you down. Where have you been?" Because I was kind of a wildcat kid. I wasn't paying any attention to what was going on. I was just out partying. And uh, I go, uh, "Okay, I'll come over there." So they signed what me that week. That? Uh, that was uh, eighty. I think it was seventy-nine. 19- it was seventy-nine. Yeah. Wow. Seventy-nine. I have a- wow. And, and Bill goes, "You start tomorrow." He goes, here's some headphones. You start tomorrow. And, and I, that would have been a totally different thing that they were wanting you to do on KLOS than you were doing on K-Rock? Well, yeah. And, you know, apparently, um, Bill's wife had been a fan of my K-Rock show. So she goes, you got to hire that guy. So I'm like, so all of a sudden, I'm in there. Yeah, and it was just, I was out of my mind. 
I was on drugs. I was crazy, and and uh, and all of a sudden, it was a very structured station compared to where yes, I was. It was owned by ABC. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's amazing uh, to consider KLOS structured in yes. 1979. Because yes, right. Oh but God, yes. For me, it was. Okay. It was really. I mean, and and I remember being in trouble immediately. Because <laughs> remember, this is pre Stern. Oh, so well, of course. And I used to get letters from Stern. Stern would send me these uh-huh. handwritten letters. Hey, Fraze, how are they treating you over there? You know, because he was at, yeah, Howard would send me these things like, well, how are they treating you there? How, the how, thing did, the, how did he know you? Uh, I didn't know him. I just well, wow. I felt like he was a like a kindred yeah. spirit, you know, who was doing a similar right. thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, so anyway, I would get these. And and um, and I, st- I remember that first week. I thought this is not going to last. I, I, you know, they are. What kinds of things were you doing to get in trouble for? Well, just about anything you can think of. I, <laughs> you know, was two for Tuesday in effect because I remember you would never, you would only right, play one. Right, only play one. And I remember. Now I joined the station in in '82, and you had already hit your stride by then. So the craziness you were doing, it was just every day it was um, structured crazy and I, I remember a bit that we did you, you did called uh take off on the steve martin movie the man with two dicks right <laughs> starring right. dick van dyke and dick van patten <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. uh, how did you get away with that well, well, uh, well i forgot i forgot i even did that but thank you John. Uh, you know, it's always been a, a fantasy of mine to have. Uh, but uh and at that time i actually would have uh, appreciated that because uh it was a weird time it was um uh, you know, because as much fun as I was having, uh, I learned later, don't have that much fun. Uh, because I was, you can't be that same guy off the air. I was too young to really realize that. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, Dean Martin is not drinking, uh, you know, Jack Daniels. He's drinking iced tea in the glass on during the show. I didn't get that. I was <laughs> partying like a madman and oh, I was man. out of my mind. But uh, I, But I later figured out okay this is work you got to work at this so it took me a while to figure that out once i did i think i did pretty well because i i realized okay i've got to prep i've got to be on top of this uh instead of just coming in and going off the top like i did for that first probably six months i was just going off the top of my head and and uh, a lot of times i've been up all night and I would drive in, and I'd, <laughs> I'd park in Bill's spot. <laughs> I would get so mad. And the reason I would park there was I wasn't trying to rile him up. It was just the closest spot. Yeah. So I go, all right, I'm already late. i got to park as close as I can. And I'd come running in there. And uh, well, You were relatively organized and scripted. At, like, by the time you by got the time there. I got by there. By the time yeah. you got there, there I was. was. A, there was often a daily game plan. You yeah, knew yeah, yeah. By that time, I was pretty well organized, and I... Uh, I think I did a, a pretty decent job at that point because I was focused. But at the first, I just was all over the map and playing all this music that they didn't really play. That you guys, did. I mean, it was. I was still wanted to play that K rock music because that is what yeah. had gotten me popular. So I would slip in a song every once in a while, and then the program director would go, "You can't do that," and I'd get yelled at. And you know, but um, I got through that part. They didn't can me, and uh, eventually I got it together. You know, I, the... re- I, rem- I, just, I remember Dave Sabella. Oh my! A, yeah. My engineer. I, to my mind, a really big part of the show. Oh. all the engineer, the background music, saved the sound me. effects saved me. Yeah. You know, guy. Dave Sabella was a genius, and and yes. and um, 
you know, he was my engineer and one of the greatest guys ever. And he saved me because I, especially those first six months, I didn't know what was going on. And and he was there from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Dave was like, they put Dave with me and it was an old uh, setup where they they had a union engineer. That's right. And yeah, and you had to put the record through the um, (laughs) through the the thing, the little slot. slot, And I remember we would put like firecrackers in there and and try to pull up the guy. And and, uh, and, uh, Sabella was so cool. He was like on top of everything, Uh, and really made me look good. He was a marine, right? So I think he was marine. Yeah, Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. mentality. Yeah, and you couldn't screw him up. He was two together. So I I was very fortunate to have. uh, We call him Surf. And um, Surf, yeah, right. and, and later he, and he loved everything too. He was into it. He really oh, we got along so well, you know. But the other thing was that Dave, um, when there was a, an issue about the unions, right? They were trying to eliminate the uh, the engineers, the live engineers. So because Dave had been so cool to me, I went to bat for him, and I I wound up going to court and and sticking wow. up for the engineers. Wow, which then did not. Put me in good graces with management again, <laughs> again. I was in a, in a behind the eight ball, but uh, I just remember so many things that um, that I did that got me in trouble. And uh, one time I had been uh, given a, a script deal uh, by MGM, and I didn't know how to write a script, but I had was pretty big on the radio, so they gave me a deal, and, I, and they put me with Jack Handy, who is the uh, the guy from Saturday Night Live. Oh, Deep yeah. Thoughts with, Deep Thoughts yeah. with Jack, Jack Handy. Yeah. And Jack Handy did know how to write a script. He wrote, uh, speaking of Steve Martin, he wrote The Jerk. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a couple other big films. So uh, they put me with him, and uh, we wrote Cool Patrol, was our script, which is what KLOS used mm-hmm. for right. their... Uh, Wait, you're saying Cool Patrol is a, is a movie somewhere? No, it did not. It's get a that. script. It it's almost a, got that far. It's an idea for a movie. Yeah, it's an idea yeah. for yeah. a script. Yeah. Well, no, it's it was a script. A, it's a script. Yeah. We wrote the script, <gasps> and uh, it was really good. Not because of me. I put in like two words. Right. This guy was a really good writer. So we had this pretty good script and got a green light from MGM. Uh-huh. So at that point, Bill was really on my back, and uh, and I love Bill. I just back then we butted heads, but um, we so. Uh, I got and we were under in negotiation, mm-hmm. and I had this big management firm that was managing me uh, called Management Three, and it was Zeppelin was with them and wow. Sinatra and all the big Jeez. guys. And then they got me, you know, at the bottom of the <laughs> roster. Right. Yeah, and uh, they didn't even know I was there. When I'd be in the elevator, they'd be like, uh, "Can you water the plants?" And I'd be, uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, anyway, they were leaning on Bill, uh, pretty heavy for a big contract, and I was like, "Ah, they're." pretty heavy there so bill was mad at me so um i was on the air that day and i go well i won't be needing this radio station anymore because i this is on my morning show just signed a huge movie deal (laughs) right and uh right so then (laughs) i hear that you're right Uh, yeah (laughs) get those shrooms anyway this i hear this banging on the uh, on the window (laughs) and i look over and it's, yeah. as, it's your predecessor. It was Larry Jacobs, the oh, okay. news guy right. before yeah. Chuck. Oh. Uh, I was so fortunate, by the way, to have two great newsmen. I yeah, mean, Larry Chuck, Jacobs. you were an awesome yeah. news guy, yeah. and, and you saved me, too. And so did Larry. Larry was, like, extra good, too. Yeah. 
He later went on to uh, ABC in New York. But uh, so he's pounding on the window. I look over and he's holding up that morning's uh, L.A. Times and it says studio head fired. <laughs> was, the, was the headline. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, guy, the guy who gave me my uh, deal. This is so, a great movie. So so I, then I, then I go on there. I go back on. I go, I'm just kidding, Bill. <laughs> I was actually talking to Bill on the show. Uh, I was kidding about that. I, it was a bit. It was a bit, Bill. So um, yeah, I was always in some kind of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, now, Chuck, you were in uh, radio and TV. You were in, like, I think, uh, I s- Las Vegas I TV. I started out in Las Vegas, all news radio, so it was kind of a hard news background. And then I did television news in Las Vegas for a year. And then I went to Dallas, which was my first rock and roll job at KZEW and met a crazy guy named Dave Lee Austin, who then took me with him to Boston, where I met Tommy Hadges, who was the program director at the time, who then came out to L.A. Uh, and resulted in my being hired out here. But it was a real education, um, learning how to do all this. And I was pretty green still when I, uh, when I came to L.A. And then I'm thrown in the studio with Frazier Smith. And uh, I remember so well the um, the uh, Moammar Gaddafi duck. Moammar <laughs> Gaddafi duck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. I can't even do that anymore. <laughs> I have a hernia. But uh, <laughs> the, I remember after uh, the uh, uh, one of the Soviet uh, premieres was ousted, and he was succeeded by Andropov, and you were doing. Woo, 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 I hope he doesn't come and drop off a bomb on me. Yeah. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> well, uh, we had the. Soviet block party weekend. The only one I really remember is uh, Gilligan's Three Mile Island, <laughs> where everybody's hands grew. Uh, oh, and then I had the other one with Garvey. What was the the movie where uh, you, your I had his forearms explode? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember the movie, but it, but um, yeah, Steve Garvey with, yeah, with the forearms. Popeye, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we had a, a lot of fun doing that stuff, and. Um, there was always something I was in trouble for. I remember the uh, surf punks came in one day, and uh, they were buddies of mine, and we did a Cool Patrol song. We did a That's song right, yeah. that we played on the station, yeah. and then I had uh, the flip side was Party Machine. So we made, and we had the rainbow sticker. They made uh, a, pi- a picture disc, a of picture it. disc yeah. of that, and we, I would play it every day, even though I wasn't supposed to. I would play it, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, the surf punks came in to uh, play live on the show, and they show up and they're bringing in garbage bags full of sand, like a lot of sand. And they filled up the entire studio with sand, and then they brought in uh, a lifeguard tower that they chopped in half, and then they brought in these bikini girls, and then these Muscle Beach guys, and they fill, and then they played live. Well, it took us like three years to get that sand out of there, and again, the management was not happy. Yeah. No, I do seem to remember that there was a, an air of a little bit of paranoia all the time for what's going to happen <laughs> next that will get you in trouble yeah. called on the yeah. carpet. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it became a theme for me, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I still remember when I had the Spinal Tap guys in, and uh, it was the the day they were releasing Spinal Tap. It was a Friday, and they were releasing it. So I thought it was a coup to have them all in on the show. And then they had um, their album with them. It was vinyl, and we were in the trailer, and they played yeah. Big wow. Bottoms. And well, they go, "Phrase, can we play that?" So I go, well, yeah, I mean, it's Spinal Tap, you know, it's huge. So I thought, you know, I'll slide that in there. And I, and I start playing it, and I get a call from Tommy. He goes, 
take that off now or you're fired. <laughs> and I go, uh, okay. So uh, I took it off and I remember the guys were like, phrase, what? You know, uh, they thought I was a big DJ and I had a lot of clout and I uh, should be able to. So afterwards, I remember I went into Tommy's office and I cleared his, it was like a scene out of a movie. I cleared his desk. I couldn't do it again if I tried a hundred <laughs> times. I raked my hand across his desk and knocked everything off the desk. And I go, what the fuck was that? Oh. And I remember, and Tom, so I was fired two weeks later. But wow. I got my point across, I think. And, uh, and that's so unfair. We played Big Bottom at KNAC daily. Well, well it's, you know it what? It was a different station. It was a different, yeah, different time. Yeah, you know what it was, though? At that time was very It was corporate. a different time. Wow. It was very structured. And you know what? And I was pushing the envelope. I would push management uh, because that's what I thought the fans liked about me. I think that is exactly right. right. That is what the fans, and I think we were in the studio cheering you on, too, because it was fun. His fault. Uh, Blame you, Chuck. Thanks a lot, Chuck. I said he saved me. Yeah, I think he actually hurt me. But, no, you know what? It was probably a miscalculation on my part, but it it is what I thought. I thought, well, what they like about me is that I don't kowtow to management, Mm -hmm. and I think everyone wants to do that with their boss. Everyone wants to be that person that, stands up to the boss and most people can't and i found out i couldn't either but i tried (laughs) tried. well i think uh, you know chuck motions could uh top some of your stories there too as far as like um egging on management a little bit maybe uh are you referring to something specific no i'm referring to the fact that you Obviously, Fraser had a long longevity here at KLOS, five years. You're back, uh, so that's good. But with you, Chuck, you came in on Fraser's show, and then Shauna was after that. And then I think Rachel Donahue. Rachel Donahue. And then I for supposed to be a couple of weeks, and then it was Mark and Brian. So you had that long time to kind of fit in and fill in, but you pushed a couple of buttons, too. Uh, uh, Bill Summers never liked me. Uh, and so when you've got a general manager, I rubbed him the wrong way. And part of it was, I think, because I did the news and I wanted to do the news the way I wanted to do the news. And often that ran afoul of not so much what listeners' opinions were, but clients when it was local news, car dealerships who were being, or whatever it might be, or supermarket chains that were advertisers on the station, if there were stories about them and they would want me to pull back and I had a hard time uh, doing that, I would take a, more of a stance, I think, of, no, morally, this is yeah. the right thing to do. This story needs to be said, even though management was saying, one step further, okay. buddy, yeah. and you'll be in trouble. So I did get fired a couple of times. A couple of times. From, yeah. from the but, station. but the yeah, thing another, with... Well, I got fired, and then I went to, yeah. The thing well, with I was news, proud though, of Chuck at that point. I, I thought that was excellent. Were you here? No, but I just was glad that he <laughs> ran it. I wasn't the only yeah, one running yeah. afoul of... No, no, there there were lots of people, but but the and thing I, is, I, I, just a, a little sidebar here, just to give credit where credit is due. You were so generous in welcoming what I did, not only the news, but after a while, I started writing lead-ins to you from my news that were long and would go for a couple of minutes, sort of uh, in keeping with the day's theme. And you just encouraged and welcomed all that. It really helped me to become a part of a be more of a rock and roll. Uh, news guy. Well, we had a cool team. I mean, you know, yes. we had you and we had Tommy Hawkins. The Hawk the would come Hawk. in, right? And then Al would be in there, and uh, and uh, and uh, Hawk was the coolest, right? Give me a high five. Let me see that you're alive. <laughs> yeah, uh, down low, too slow. Yeah. He was. Uh, 
just an awesome guy. Had yeah. played for the Lakers and was across the hallway at KBC. And the best it, spirited guy. He just come busting probably into the ever, studio in a right? great mood. Yeah, I remember I did the uh, the nude show with uh, Marilyn Chambers. Remember from behind the green <laughs> yeah, door. Yeah. So she came. She takes all her clothes off, right? And uh, and and all of a sudden, all the sales guys were were had their noses against the window just with a stunned look and hawk i didn't tell hawk so when hawk <laughs> came in there he just lost it he was like dude wow uh, <laughs> uh, but hawk was a generous guy and really uh, a cool dude and we got to be good buddies and and sports norts became huge on the mm -hmm. station sure. because everyone loved him yeah he had love and we would go to uh dodger games and we couldn't get into the park because people want to take his picture. Sure. And I'd be there looking at my watch going, come on, it's the third inning, let's go. <laughs> and, you know, Hawk was so popular. Uh, so that really helped my show to have him on there. And Chuck was great. And, and we, Al Ramirez and, Al and was, Sabella. And Al was always on the show, you know, my, my buddy. And um, he was like an Ed McMahon type for my show. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then... Uh, and he'd have the overnight shift, so he would stick around and stay around on the morning show. Yeah. And then Dave Sabella surf. So we had a nice little team going. Wow. That was some great stuff. I feel like a yeah. wuss. You guys have all been fired. I've never been fired once. <laughs> Stu, you got to work at it. It's like an elite yeah. club. Easy. Just keep on working It's an elite at... club that you've got to, you know. We'll give you a few lessons there after. Uh, after yeah. the I'm show, taking yeah. notes. Yeah. One yeah. thing that was really unique about Chuck's news is that he wrote his own stuff. I mean, you, in the old days, it was just like ba basically uh, pull up the copy, the UPI machine or the AP machine. Rip and read. Rip and read. You know, but Chuck always looked in the newspapers for stories and, and did that and added some real creativity to that. Both of you guys were huge sports fans, so that, that really worked uh, great as well. Uh, what was it about the transition then going into uh, three female hosts in a row and then and then bookend that with Mark and Brian? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was anything having it to do with the, with the, uh, the gender of, of the host. But it was a big upheaval working with just different people with different styles and coming from uh, Fraser Smith's freewheeling <laughs> absolute morning insanity, which was so much fun to be a part of, to people who were just doing different, more traditional conservative kinds of things. It wasn't as much fun, uh, actually. And I say that in all due respect. Namaste, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> to working with Shauna, who was actually great. Yeah, and we really, was. really had a, a good time in working with you. Rachel Donahue was a slightly different story. Um, I, I don't want to uh, offend anybody, but she was um, she was uh, a little more difficult to work with, whether she f considered herself a star or something like that. So I, I had to kind of take a back seat around that. In radio history, Rachel was married to Tom Donahue, who was basically the, what Created people call the inventor yeah, exactly. of FM radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that time, she was also Rick D's sidekick. Wow. She was? So yes, she was. She was so that's she, why she was yes. pretty legendary. Well, I mean, it was like she had name recognition, so I think that's why. Exactly. And you know, to tell you the truth, I mostly just kept my head down. I shouldn't have gotten fired, Stu. I'm telling you. <laughs> no. I just kept my head down and mostly just did my job and did what was required of me, and was glad that people appreciated it. But if you hadn't gotten fired, you wouldn't have had, you know, been able to come back and then go back <laughs> to school because you you said. 
basically screw the radio industry or w- what you had been doing all your life and became a clinical licensed therapist. Yeah. After the, the second, the, uh, after I got fired the first time at KLOS, I decided the handwriting was on the wall. The industry was changing. Corporations were buying up radio stations like crazy and consolidating them. And news was no longer uh, federally required, news and public affairs. So I could see that there was a limited lifespan to my career as a radio news guy, unless I wanted to be scuffling at, uh, for jobs in Palm Springs for $15 an hour or whatever. Um, so yeah, then I went back to school uh, and figured out what I wanted to do, which was to become a psychotherapist, which I've been doing for the last twenty some years. That's kind of uh, a, a most weird... radio people uh, at that point need <laughs> yeah. therapy. Right, I would exactly. Think you could have parlayed that somehow yes. into yeah. the radio. Yeah, yeah. 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 totally. I'm built ha- in, I'm, uh, you know, client base. Yeah. I'll be handing out my cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can here. all use those. Yeah. So now you're currently uh, practicing in uh, Portland, Oregon. I have a private practice in Portland, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so you After also. I've one for 15 years uh, here. In Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And still by phone or wherever, which way that you can communicate with people. Uh, you had a lot of great stories with uh, Mark and Brian, fun with the Mark and Brian days, uh, playing the saxophone, uh, the Polar Express. But I gotta, I gotta bring this up because it's so topical. And, and Fraser, I know that you just saw this movie too. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard his story about Charlie Manson? No. No. Okay, Fraser Smith, Chuck Moshans, Chuck Moshans. Mm, would you please Charlie tell us? Charlie Manson. Yeah. Uh, in nineteen sixty-nine, earlier in the sometime earlier that year, uh, I was driving down from San Francisco with a friend of mine, and we stopped in Hayward and picked up a couple of hitchhikers uh, who turned out to be two members of the Manson family, one of whom was uh, Tex Watson. But at that time, there was no such thing as the Manson family other than this group of people who called themselves that. And as we drove down the coast with these hippies, and we were hippies too, um, they're telling us about this great commune they lived in and all the fun they had and all the wonderful screw society. We're starting our own society sort of thing, which was so much in the, in the uh, air of those days. And so by the time we got back to L.A. with them, we were all feeling friendly, and we decided to drive them uh, instead of just dropping them off on Topanga Canyon off the 101, we decided to go all the way up Topanga and take them back to the place they lived somewhere up in the Santa Susana Pass, which turned out to be the Spawn Ranch. And so we got there, and they invited us in, and there was a big party going on. There must have been a couple of dozen people in there passing wine and passing joints and having fun. And Okay, in that era, was that such a weird place to find oneself no, not, not really. at that time, no. Yeah, exactly. So it was just another uh, fun night with a bunch of crazy hippies who just happened to meet and get, you know, have fun together. Um, a couple of hours passed, and then we were told, Charlie's home. You guys have to go. We're going to work on our album now, so you need to go. No outsiders. Uh, we said, fine. We went outside. Charlie came out to say goodbye to us, said we could come back to stay if we wanted, but don't come back to visit because we'd be overrun by visitors if you just, just just dropped in on us. So we have a rule about that. And uh, we were all in a little scrum and a little huddle there with uh, me and Tex Watson and Charles Manson. And, and that wow. was that. And we left. And it was just, ha, huh, a fun story to tell my friends that weekend as I was visiting L.A. I'd been going to school in San Francisco. And, um, and so that was that. And then the murders happened. And my reaction when I saw that was, doesn't have anything to do with me. And then they arrested Manson, and his picture was in all the papers. And I thought, 
doesn't have anything to do with me. And it was several months later I was reading an article about uh, the Manson murders and about Spawn Ranch. And the guy is talking, the article writer is talking about how do you get to Spawn Ranch? Driving down to Panga Canyon Road and you go up into the Santa Susana Path and I suddenly realized at that point, probably five or six months after the murders, that these were the same people oh, wow. that I'd been with. I had made no connection with ever. Hmm. And Ted was in the back of your car for six hours. You drove him. Yeah, yeah. Except Tex, Tex Watson. Tex Watson yeah. Right. But they were yeah. no threat to me yeah. because I was like them. I was a hippie. Yeah. I wasn't the. I wasn't the enemy. The I wasn't the establishment or whatever it was yeah. exactly. Wow. And uh, yeah. yeah, and you didn't deny uh, uh, Charlie's record deal. <laughs> and I, I yeah, right. No, yeah, I was I completely cooperative with yeah. that, whatever he wanted. Yeah. He said, go, I went. Yeah, yeah. that's weird because yeah. it, actually mm-hmm. Terry Melcher, who was Doris Day's son, right. lived at the place uh, where the Manson murders uh, happened. The record producer, yeah. The record producer. Mm-hmm. And then he had actually introduced them to uh, Dennis Wilson and the Beach Boys, yeah. and, it, and they had already moved. Yeah. Right. Moved and so this whole bit about they had to work on their on their album, they were actually yeah. working, had music that they were working on together. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and it is definitely to people who hear that story, whoa, man, what a yeah. close call or what a thing. And for me, it was just, just another thing that had happened. Yeah. And it would have been that and probably even a forgotten thing had not yeah. events transpired the way they actually wow. did. Yeah. I got a weird story like that, too. Uh, I was a getting an award with Jamie Masada from Laugh Factory right across the the next house next door to Rockingham where OJ lived on the night of that it all went down on OJ's thing and you were you were there the night yeah. before and I was no it was, it was actually that afternoon oh my. and I remember somebody saying well that's OJ's house right there and, oh okay sure. you know and I didn't even think about it and then that night the whole thing happened Wow. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. And then I, uh, a week later, I go, wait a minute. We were right. We were at that location. And you went to Kayla's sex. Did you work with Kato Kalin? I did. Because <laughs> Kato Kalin was there, yeah, living yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I know Kato. You still know. Yeah. Uh, I see him around every once in a while doing stand up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and he was at KLSX. KLSX was an interesting place. Yeah, you guys had some fun there. A lot we of put that one off the air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you were at KMET. Have you, have you put any stations off yeah. the air? Still? I put three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fired so I guess, yeah cause you the after KLOS, you, know, you went to KMET, right? Well, KMET was uh, was awesome yeah. because they had the legendary staff. Yeah. yeah. You know, and when I got there, uh, they had been our arch enemies. Right? Yes, right. We had just. You know, hated them because that was back in the days when it was a real battle. Yeah, you know the top. We were rock was king back then, and the ratings were. Uh, we were getting sevens and eights, and and they were getting sevens. And I mean, we were getting huge ratings, wow. and we owned the town, and we would, it would always be a battle. Yeah, like when the Stones played the Coliseum, uh, they you know they bought um, passes for everybody, and then we bought the parking. So it was like a battle back and forth. There was always something. Yeah. And uh, I thought, oh, man, I'm not going to get I, I had been making so much fun of them and just ripping them for years. And I get over there, and they were all pretty cool to me. I thought, oh, man, because it was Lad, uh, Cynthia Fox. Uh-huh. Uh, David Perry. Perry was there. Uh, Snyder. Gonzer. Jack Gonzer. Snyder. Wow. I mean, they had an unbelievable lineup. Yeah. And they, and Paraquat. 
and uh, just you know, but they all turned out to be friends, and we uh, had a couple good years there before they got. Well, it's like being traded uh, to another baseball team. You don't know they were your enemy at one point, and now they welcome you. Yep. And a member yeah, of the team. It was pretty. It was pretty cool, and, and we had a great time. I had some uh, weird stuff happen there too. <laughs> I think we're running out of time. We might need to do a part two. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I the time Dio showed up with his uh, Doberman Pinschers. Yeah. Was that the Metro Media? Two, yeah. They come into Metro Media Square with two Doberman Pinschers and the biggest bodyguard I've ever seen. I go, wait a minute. I go, I know you're a short guy, but who is going to mug you? It's me and my engineer. <laughs> Call off the dogs. Well, when I was in Boston, I used to trade stories with uh, with Paraquat Kelly because I was doing news in Boston. If there was something relevant, he'd call me yeah. up. And if something relevant in L.A., I'd call him up and we'd trade stories like that. So when I came to L.A., I felt like I was working for the enemy because they had Ace Young and Paraquat Kelly. Yeah. And, and here I was, Fraser Smith and Chuck Mosheon. So yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Paraquat was great. Yeah, want to yeah. fast forward the, cl- the clock here and just talk about like what's it like today and um, I mean the, the world is so different. Uh, Fraser, you do you've done TV and movies and do a lot of comedy now and and Chuck, you with doing the news and therapy now. The world as it is right now. What what can you give me your perspective on it and how do you see it and how does comedy play into it? Uh, can you believe what's happening with the news media the, these days, Chuck? I mean, it's... I, I, I have almost zero response to that, actually. And I don't mean <laughs> for that to be the end, the end of the story. But, um, uh, I mean, in a certain way, to me, the world has ever been thus. It's always been the end of the world forever. <laughs> Maybe it actually is now. But I wouldn't be, and we wouldn't be, the first people to have really seriously thought so. So, again, I kind of keep my head down. Because I am able to write and tell a story in an interesting way with a certain amount of um, humor and perspective, um, I now have this gig at at Spectrum TV where I've got a daily newscast going on. I'm still doing, so to answer your question for me, I'm still doing the same damn thing I was doing 35 years ago with Fraser and with Mark and you and Mark and Brian. Mm. And Fraser, how about comedy? How has that changed? Well, um, you know, everything is very PC now. And so mm-hmm. you're uh, with stand-up comedy, uh, which I still do and, and, and love, uh, you have to be careful in your uh, editing because you, you really, uh, you're under a lot of scrutiny that perhaps you weren't under before. So uh, with the stand-up, I find that, uh, you know, I have to be just on my toes in terms of editing and stuff. But you can work around it. And like Chuck said, it's kind of as it ever was in a weird way. And in other ways, the PC thing does, you know, curtail a little bit of what you might do. But, you know, you just have to learn to work around it. And as far as the radio goes, I think the thing that I've learned about my Sunday show, I'm really thankful to have a show yeah. still. I really am. You're really good well, on it. Well, thank you. Yeah. I When they hired me back, I mm-hmm. just can't say enough about KLOS. Yeah. What a wonderful thing that was to get back in the game. And um, I'd been out for a while, and I was doing stand-up full-time. And, you know, to, to get back into it was, was awesome. Um, and what I find a little different there is podcasting has had an influence on me in terms of, um, you know, doing my, my Sunday night show. Because, uh, you know, when the morning show, uh, with the morning show, you had to do all the bells and whistles. You had to be on top of everything, and everything's on time, and you had to boom, boom, Mm -hmm. boom. And uh, 
Sunday night, I tried to do more what you would do on a podcast, which is just make it a conversation. And I, I hope that's what's happening. And you can really discuss a lot of different things in a conversation. It's not so much about me doing my jokes and my one-liners. It's more talking. And if the jokes come up, you know, naturally, then great. But it's a little more organic that way. And, you know, mentioned the uh, the Manson thing. And, of course, the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, brought it back up. So mm-hmm. I had my sports guy, Dave Smith. His dad was a homicide detective that was on the case, on the wow. uh, Manson case. Mm-hmm. So he can't... You know, he came on the other night, did the sports. He's a really good sports guy. And then after that, he started. we had kept him on for a couple of breaks to talk about the Manson thing because he had all this behind-the-scenes wow. info that he had heard from his dad that I had never heard. So, it, it, For example, again, give us, because I didn't hear that. Well, he just knew uh, his whole, there was a whole backstory to the guy that was killed a week before. Uh, right. Oh, the, right. Yeah. And, it, and it, like, he was making uh, acid, and he sold bad acid to uh, Charlie and the guys. And it, there was a motorcycle gang involved, and they wanted to kill him, and the blah blah blah. So they killed him. And then his theory was his dad's theory was that uh, that the uh, uh, Tate LaBianca thing was a cover up to to sh- make it seem like a copycat crime, so they wouldn't blame Manson. And he has a whole theory about it. That uh, is well, a great story. Wow. There, there, there was a guy that yeah. like it was doing drugs, but it was somewhere somewhere in the valley, somewhere it was just this weird unreal. And I well, this is in Topanga Canyon, yeah, actually. And, the guy and and yeah, Gary in a van, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And so he knew the whole backstory on yeah. that, and he knew all, he knew everybody. This he knew uh, mm-hmm. all the stuff about La Bianca. You know, yeah. uh, was a mobster, and there was a lot of stuff that that I had never heard before. But my point really is that. That's what happens now as opposed to what used to happen in my morning show. My morning show was like boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, bits, mm-hmm. skits, got to do sports now, now news, mm-hmm. you know. And, you 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 know, you had to be uh, Rick Dees. Right. And, uh, Lots of varied content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just riding a wave. Right. Now you're just exactly, Stu. And now you just have people in and, and just chat. And um, I think it works on Sunday night. I don't know that that would work in the morning necessarily, mm-hmm. but... Um, at Sunday night, it really seems yeah. to be uh, helpful to have, uh, listen to podcasting and then be able to, uh, you know, put that into your uh, your presentation uh, on Sunday nights. What would a what would you say to a twenty one year old Fraser Smith? Uh, you might want to think you about start? you might want to think about real estate. <laughs> <laughs> real estate. Seriously, think about that. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, it's funny you say that because my little nephew, uh, I have these two nephews, and one they both are like early twenties, and one of them just got married, so I went back to the uh, the wedding in Indianapolis, and my other nephew is uh, a, a genius kid. He's mm. a, he's like a math wizard and a genius but he doesn't like any of that stuff he's getting you know uh, he's got a four-point grade yeah, thing and genius, he, he doesn't like any of that yeah he likes radio and he likes stand-up comedy oh. <laughs> and i go this poor kid <laughs> and, and, you know and so he's on his uh college radio station and that's all he wants to do is go on there and do the radio and then he hosts things around town. He's a host oh. and does stand-up comedy. In Detroit? No, this is an indie. Uh, but he he, he uh, just graduated. So uh, there was a, uh, a couple at the wedding that, that used to live in L.A. And they came up to me and they go, we're huge fans of yours. We used to listen every morning to your show when we were driving on uh, to work on KLOS. We loved it. 
can you help your nephew? We think he has similar abilities, and we'd love to see you. We want you to help him. And I go, well, I can help him by telling him, don't ever think about it. Because they all think it's a a walk in the park, and it it ain't no picnic. Uh, That's all I would say. You have to be ready to uh, be uh, knocked down a thousand times, you know, and get back Mm -hmm. up and keep Mm -hmm. going. It's a brutal game. And it's all behind the scenes. And it's all in ACDC's uh, Long Way to the Top. Listen to the lyrics there, and it says it all. Mm. It really is uh, a tough game. So we all love it, and, and if, you, if you love it, you can get, endure all that stuff. And, and I'm really uh, uh, you know, proud of what I've done and, and uh, am still doing it. I'm still able to, uh, I think my stand-up is getting yeah. better response than ever. Uh, so I'm still in the game, but in both of those games, you get knocked around a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to do that, my nephew has plenty of options. He's smart. I was not smart. <laughs> so he can do a lot of things. But uh, if he wants to go into it, I'll help him. Yeah. Awesome. You know? How about you, Chucky Mo? Uh, well, first of all, I like all that. Yeah. I like all that Fraser just said. Um, uh, one thing I would say to a 21-year-old or to my, twen- to my 21-year-old self, yeah. I would say, you know what? You're good just as you are. You are good. You are much better than you think you are, and you can relax about that. And the other thing I would say is, uh, from an older person to a younger person, let me just get out of the way. It's your turn now. And don't be burdened by my advice. But if I had to give you one piece of advice. Yeah, real estate. It would be take care of your body. Yeah. Because uh, the things that you do foolhardily when you're in your 20s and 30s come back to haunt you when you are in your 50s and 60s. <laughs> well, I think that's true. And I think uh, it's a different era than when we came up. We were in the party era. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, it hurt a lot of bands, as we all know, and a mm. lot of musical performers and uh, everybody else. And really, at the heart of it, um, you know, you had fun, but it isn't good for you later. Mm-hmm. And that's why everybody winds up in rehab. Are you uh, surprised that you, both of you, are survivors of the, all that? Because you look around, several people that we worked with, you know, didn't come through, and and you know we survived it, came yeah. through it. Uh, I'm not surprised by much of anything. Okay. Anything can happen to anybody at, at any moment. It's more of a sense of feeling oh, grateful. I'm still here yeah. to appreciate and enjoy what is, and uh, with with much sorrow and grief. But you know, shit happens, and I don't mean that in any sort of a way to dismiss the loss of people we loved like Sean and, and, and Al Ramirez but yeah I'm grateful to have known them and, and grateful Coburn. to still, still yeah. be kicking yeah. well yeah we so, do we you know uh, you're right we loved all those people and um, I you probably you can't turn back I mean you, you went through it so you had to survive it yeah and um, I feel thankful that I did and, and you both, you know, are still very recognizable. Everybody knows your voices and your names. So, uh, Fraser Smith, thank you very much for coming in and talking to KLOS 50 and Reverse Podcast. Well, it's my pleasure, and I'm just so glad to see Chuck, my old buddy. It's really nice to see him, and uh, thank you for having me on. I'm just uh, so happy for KLOS and their 50th yeah. anniversary. Yeah. I want to congratulate them. Well, you're a big uh, part of it. A great, great station, legendary station. And if you want to follow me, I'm on MySpace. Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll put you on my top eight. <laughs> Friendster. The weekend after I got married, guy came back from my honeymoon. My my wife was so uh, uh, I thought it was so hilarious that Fraser was talking about 
uh, in the Daffy Duck voice. Uh, we had suffered viscosity breakdown the yeah. night of our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was part of a, a whole uh, advertising campaign for viscosity breakdown on TV. Yeah. Now it'd be viscosity breakdown with CBD oil. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have in my car, by the way. All right. Uh, yeah. uh, just to bring up a weird subject at the last yeah. moment. That was good. Throw yeah. that in there. Good to see you, Chuck. Uh, Chuck Moshant, uh, how can people get in contact with you? Are you on that thing? What's that called? Their, uh, the MySpace? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm, I'm on. not on MySpace, and I'm, I'm not on Facebook. I, I have a website that people what? can get through by just Googling my uh, name. Chuck and you better Moshant. spell that last name. Yeah. M-O-S-H-O-N-T-Z. I thought it was M. There's no A. M O S C H. What to the rest? So and so, people. I have a website, and people can contact me right. through through my email address there if they wanted to get in touch. And thank you for having me on. It's fun to be able to get together with old friends and old colleagues and reminisce about old times. We had some good times. So. There you go. i got to get going because I have the 930 Club <laughs> coming up. I heard about that 930 Club. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The 930 Club. Um, well, there you go. That's our uh, story. Next episode, Chris Carter, Chuck Moshans. Thank you. Fraser Smith. Thank you very much. Kayla Thanks, Lewis, guys. 50 in reverse. I'm Rita Wild. And that's Stu Herrera. All right. Good night. Good day. Goodbye. To him. <laughs>